Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth, the founder of Sisu and the host of the show. And uh, today I have a special guest with me, one that I've been looking forward to. So today with us on the show, we have Tamir, is it Poleg? Is that how you pronounce your last name, Tamir? Yes, correct. So see, I didn't even talk to him about that. But Tamir and I have known each other for about a year now. And I'm super impressed with what he's building and what he's done. And, uh, you know, he's got a background in real estate. He used to uh, run an investment company where he had, I don't know how many properties you had in that, Tamir, but... We had about 2,200 apartments. 2,200 apartments. So, I mean, that alone is a huge business, super exciting. Also had a property management company. And now he is the CEO of Real Brokerage, which is one of the up and coming brokerages, just went public on NASDAQ. Just a lot of exciting things going on in his life. So, Tamir, is there anything I missed there? Anything you want to give as far as your background goes? Well, first of all, hi. Hi, Brian. Hi, everyone. Thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity. No, I think you, uh, you made a very short and, and accurate introduction. Uh, yes, I've been in real estate for about 16 years. I actually started as a construction worker, which is something that I'm very proud of. It tells that you know, I know homes and construction from the very basic uh, level. And I then got a degree in economics and then joined the, the tech world with a couple of startups doing mainly sales positions in, in Europe. And uh, in 2006, I started my own real estate company in Houston, Texas, as you said, started growing my own portfolio of, uh, of properties. Actually went heavily when the market tanked at the end of 2007 and the beginning of 2008. Uh, so a lot of opportunities back then, nobody really wanted to invest in real estate or hear about real estate. And I was probably at the right place, the right time. And uh, I was young enough to, uh, to have the nerves to try and and, uh, and be daring and started acquiring properties and growing my own portfolio and my own property management company and construction company. And that turned out to be a good decision. We ended up selling that company in 2013. And uh, in 2014, I founded Real, And this is what I've been devoting my life to ever since. So okay. that's enough. We're going to dive into Real here in a minute. But I wanted to ask, sure. like, you're from Israel originally, correct? Yes, so you went that's right. there to Europe, to Houston, back to Israel, now New York. So tell me about this flow. Like, how do you decide where you're going to be in this world? It's really interesting because I didn't really have a, a master plan for my life. It's funny. I have one of our early stage investors is a guy that I appreciate tremendously. And uh, he's extremely successful. And my wife actually went to consult with him about two years ago because she was kind of looking for a next challenge. And he asked her a simple question, like, what do you want to do? Like, what's your, what's your plan? And, and she said, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure. And that guy invested in so many companies and he was the CEO of really big companies. And he told her, you know, you should get too frustrated about that because I'm now in my 50s and I still don't know what I want to do. So what I'm trying to say is that I didn't have a plan. Things just, just happened. I think that 
when I started in the tech industry, I really wanted to try and do business outside of Israel because Israel is a small country. It's about 8 million people in population. So obviously a small market. And I thought that the world is big and there must be greater opportunities. So maybe I should, uh, I should try and, and play in, in other leagues. Uh, and this is how I started. And I think that this is what kind of opened my horizons that there's a whole world out there and so many opportunities and great markets um, and, and the possibility of making a much bigger impact. And I think that this is what brought me to Europe. And then this is what brought me to the U.S. My heart is still in Israel because, you know, this is where I grew up. This is where my family, most of my family is. My brother and sister actually used to live in New York. My sister just recently moved back to Israel. But I don't know, you know, many people call themselves a citizen of the world. But I would say that I'm kind of splitting my life between countries. I, I would guess that would be the, the best description. I mean, I think the thing I learned from that, Tamir, is that you're just, you're open. You know, you're open to, to being wherever. And uh, not many people are that way. In fact, I, I'm sitting here looking at my own life going, okay, I've been out of Utah a few times, but I've pretty much lived in Utah my whole life, right? So yeah, I was in Europe for a few years, but for the most part, been in Utah. So, I, you know, it's just a, it's a different perspective. And I've considered moving to New York before. I've considered moving to San Francisco before and Virginia and ended up not, not pulling the trigger on any of those. So anyway, yeah, I, congratulations I, on just being open to, to making that happen. Yeah, I think it has to do with uh, perspective on life. If you think that the world is so big and there are so many things that are just not accessible, then you probably limit yourself to a certain place, location, occupation. You know, when we started Real, for example, I was living in Israel. Initially, I was talking to Israeli investors who, VCs and, and tech investors, and all of them asked me, are you living in Israel at the moment? And I said, yes, but you know, you should care about that because people thought that if I'm building a business in the US or a business that's US focused, I should be there. And in many cases, that's correct. But I think that if you, as a CEO or entrepreneur, have that commitment of being where you're needed, it doesn't really matter where you say you live, because at the end of the day, you dedicate your life and your time to the company, and you do what's best for the company, and you put the best interest of the company ahead of anything else. So it doesn't really matter where's your residential address. It matters yeah. what your actions reflect. Well said. And I think most of the world didn't realize that until COVID. You realize Unfortunately. My, my company has been virtual pretty much from the beginning, but you know, I think COVID opened, opened that up where the world now accepts that, right? Definitely. And, and you know, if we touched on COVID and how it impacted uh, people's view on, on working remotely, we grew during COVID our team from about 15 people to about 45 people which were still a, a small company in terms of employees count. But most of the people that we hired during the pandemic are remote because we didn't really care about mm -hmm. them being present in the office in New York. So we hired all over the place uh, and we felt very good about it. And then we listed on NASDAQ a couple of months ago. And at the end of uh, July, we went to ring the bell on NASDAQ. And that was an opportunity to gather all of the employees that recently joined and have them fly to New York and share the excitement. And that there was a special moment there where it really felt special and different, just being 
physically in the same place, you know, being able to touch and hug and, and talk. So even though things can be done remotely, there's still a part of us that needs that interaction, which is face-to-face and human and just makes you operate all of your senses at once instead of just watch and listen. Yes, totally. Totally. I had, a, I had my team in our office yesterday just for a meeting. It's definitely different being on Zoom versus being in person. Yeah, uh, I agree. So how did you choose New York? So here you are, CEO of Real, and why New York? So we, we started it in Israel. This is where we started developing the technology. But as soon as we wanted to get our broker's licenses, we opened up a subsidiary in Texas, in Houston, actually, because that's where I've been. This is where my connections were. This is where I felt comfortable that I know the landscape and, and I had the connections. So we actually started in, in Texas. But as soon as we wanted to expand our marketing efforts and we were looking for talent, New York is probably the number one place for attracting high quality marketing talent. And at the same time, the proximity to Israel, where most of the employees were located back then, uh, just played a role. So it was a combination of let's be closer to Israel and let's be closer to to a major talent pool. And I hated New York, I I must say, at the beginning, because it was big and overwhelming and crowded and noisy, and and I just couldn't find myself over there. Uh, But I think that about a year later, it kind of grew on me. It's a really special city, and you just cannot ignore all the benefits that it, it can offer, especially to, to companies and access to talents and capital and opportunities. And there's so much happening there that just by, by being there, it impacts you. So I'm really happy that we chose New York, to be honest. Good, good. So let's go back to 2014. You founded Real. Tell me, like, what was your vision for Real at that time? And how have you pivoted? Where's Real today? Like there's some, I think there's some pretty big changes there. I don't think you quite had this vision back then, but I, I don't know. So I want to hear about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because when I think about myself seven and a half years ago, I realized that I knew nothing, at least compared to what I know today about our industry, at least. But yeah. I think that what triggered us to found Real and we, we co-founded it for four of us, We looked at certain verticals within the real estate space. I was the only person who had the real estate background, and we were just passionate about doing something in in that space. So we've looked at uh, maybe doing a a lead gen company for agents or doing something in the mortgage space. And one day we looked at the brokerage industry, and the more we dove into it, the more we felt as if something is wrong here. So we saw that it's a huge market. It's dominated by the same names for many, many decades. We felt that many of those traditional companies are doing a great job at charging agents a lot of money, but doing a poor job at providing what agents actually need in order to succeed. We saw that more and more consumers were using agents, which was a clear sign that agents are here to stay. But at the same time, consumers are clearly signaling that they wanted to pay less because There's a constant pressure on on commissions, as you know, in the past 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. So for us, it looked like this industry needed a change. And the more I dove into trying to understand what agents go through every day and what they go through emotionally and practically in their business, the more I got connected 
to the persona of, of a real estate agent. And at some point we said, let's try and make agents' lives better. And yeah. we thought initially that it's all about technology and giving them tools and you know, giving them fair economical arrangements or, or great splits and no monthly fees. But I think that as we evolve and progressed, we realized a few more things. We realized that agents needed an opportunity to build wealth. At the end of the day, as an agent, you're helping to build somebody's business and that somebody is the brokerage. And it's only fair that you will benefit from that. We realized that culture is a huge thing for agents because agents, even sometimes even if you just offer them a, a better deal, they will not join and they will not join because of a reputation of the company or because they're not attracted to the people that are already there. Uh, so we, we learn a lot. And, and if they'll come to you for a better deal, they'll always leave for a better deal as well, right? So Pro- Probably, probably. But I think that there's one thing that we stick to from the beginning until today, and that's mission of making real estate agents' lives better. And when I think about myself personally, this is what I've been devoting my life to, and I will continue to devote my life to, because I think that there is a population of 1.2 active real estate agents in the U.S., and somebody needs to come and say, and I'm not saying that it's us, it's a lot of people that are doing the same. People need to take care of of that population of 1.2 million professionals. And if you come to think about it, there's no other industry where independent contractors like real estate agents are required to work under a license of a brokerage. Now, that specific regulation opens up the possibility of a lot of things that might not be in the best benefit of the agents because agents need brokers or brokerages in order to operate their business. And (laughs) yes. And unfortunately, at least historically, we've seen a lot of brokers just taking advantage of that power given to them by regulators. So for us, it was just a, a very clear and honest decision to go and and take care of of agents and that's what we're trying to do so so we share in that vision because that's that's what we do at CISO as well take care of exactly empower the the real estate teams so so you you mentioned something I don't want to just pass over which is building wealth like that's kind of when the shift happened for you you're like hey you know what there's all these things that we can do for the realtor but building wealth when did that whole thing come about and, and um, more about that. so we really built real as a tech company which means that every employee that joined our team we granted them stock options because we believed that they should be rewarded for their contribution in growing the company and at some point about two years after we started the company I was thinking about that and I realized that there are three parties that help build real. It's the investors, it's the team, and it's the agents. But if at any time real will be massively successful and there will be some sort of a liquidation event, an exit, or somebody will acquire real, even though we weren't looking for that, then why is it that only the investors and the team will benefit from owning equity in the company. So I went to my board actually at the beginning of 2017 and I told them that I wanted to start granting stock options to our agents. And coming into that meeting, I was I didn't really know how they will react to it because it means that all of those people who invested their money in the company 
will be diluted by the equity that we will be granting our agents. But I laid it out to them and I was just amazed by how quickly and strongly they supported that, that idea. So very, very soon after, we came up with a stock option plan for our agents and we kind of rolled with it for a couple of years. What we've seen is that most agents did not fully realize the potential of owning stock options in a privately held startup, uh, which was a little bit unfortunate because I perceived it as, as a huge opportunity for them, but many of them just didn't realize. Unfortunately, not too many people even understand what stock options mean or how they one day can turn into cash. If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. And around 2019, I said, okay, we're doing something great, but I don't think that our agents understand how great it is. So let's try and see if there's a better way of doing it. And then at that point, we explored the possibility of taking real public. And that's what we did. And it's a it's a process that took us about nine months, but eventually in June of uh, 2020, Real became a publicly traded company at the beginning on the uh, Toronto Stock Exchange venture. And subsequently um, in June of 2021, we listed on NASDAQ as well. So are you, on, are you still on both? Yeah, we are, we are still on both. I would assume that on, at some point we will drop the, uh, the Canada listing and we will only trade on NASDAQ. Yeah. Okay, so congratulations on that, by the way. Uh, I've built a, a few companies that I thought I might get to that point, but I have not gotten to that point where I've actually gotten to ring the bell and take a company public. So congratulations, that's exciting. Uh, Thank you very much. And, and a step that not, many, not that many people in this world get to experience. Yes, and I wasn't looking at this this way. So yeah. it wasn't, for me, it did not mean that this is, any huge accomplishment or anything uh, significant. I thought that this is another foundation that we need to put in place for the company and for the agents. So for me, it was just one more thing that, that we needed to do. I think that the moment where it, it kind of, uh, it became a little bit more exciting was standing on the, the podium at NASDAQ and, you know, looking outside at Times Square and seeing hundreds of our agents just, you know, cheering and, and, and smiling and being happy together with us. I think that at that point, I realized that we are really building something amazing that touches so many lives and we're doing something good for people. And, and you know, I let myself be excited for a few minutes uh, at that point, but, uh, but then it's, it's back to work. I mean, being publicly traded only means that you just have more work. It's more overhead and more things to take care of. Uh, so even though it, it, yeah, even though it looks, you know, shiny and uh, I don't know, desirable at the end of the day, it just creates more overhead and work. For sure. For sure. So let's talk about that. So you, you mentioned your stock options, you mentioned your agents getting equity, building wealth, what else sets you apart at real from a traditional brokerage? It's a question that comes up very often when I talk to analysts and investors. And I think that every agent is different. And at the end of the day, different people make up decisions based on different criteria. If you're asking me why are agents attracted to real, I would state a few things. One is freedom and flexibility. So when they join us, they really have the freedom and flexibility to build their business the way they want to. 
We do not dictate. We understand that they know their business much better than we do. And we just want to be there to support them. So they're really building their own business on our infrastructure, on our platform. So that's one thing. Second, the economics obviously work. So it's an 85-15 split with $12,000 cap. For teams, it's, it's even lower. I mean, the cap itself, there are mo- no monthly fees. There's just one annual brokerage fee of $500. So I think we're very attractive on that. And we're not attractive because we're trying to, to race to the bottom. We just think that we've built an extremely efficient operation using technology that enables us to pass along that saving to our agents. And it's only fair that we come at pricing point where it's really attractive to them. And it also enables the company to be profitable and grow and become a massive business. So the economics is there. Culture, which probably comes ahead of anything else. We're trying to be extremely protective of our culture and build an agent population who wants to focus on succeeding in real estate, on focusing mainly on real estate, on working hard and being kind and collaborating and helping each other and building together something which is greater than all of us individually. And culture is is probably one thing that keeps me up at night because right now we're at about 2,800 agents, which makes it a little bit easier to control culture. We know exactly who's joining us. I can have conversations with every team that joins us. But at the end of the day, when we're at tens of thousands of agents, it'll be a little bit more difficult to control. So I think that it's extremely important for us to attract the right people at this point and the right partners and to be able to count on them to attract other agents that are like-minded, that share the same DNA uh, in turn. Oh, I was just going to say, how many agents are you at today, Tamir? It's uh, 2,800. 2,800, and, okay. Yeah, and, and just you know, last month, we grew by close to 300. So that, that's kind of the, the growth that we're experiencing at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I, I remember seeing an announcement of 2000 and that seemed like that was only, you know, maybe four or five months ago, something like that. Yeah, you'll probably see an announcement of about 3000 in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, very great. Uh, congratulations on that. So I, something else I know in speaking with some of your agents, RevShare is something you haven't really talked about, but certainly something that uh, your agents and team owners are excited about. Is that something you want to talk more about? Sure. For us, offering RevShare is another opportunity to enable our agents to enjoy residual income or building some sort of a wealth or an income stream. Obviously, this is not something that we want our agents to solely focus on. We want our agents to focus on real estate, but at the same time, we also understand that Many of our agents interact with our other agents and they have influence. And instead of going and spending upfront money on marketing from our end, maybe we should just create a system where our agents can attract their friends and people that they know into the company. And then we spend marketing dollars on RevShare and rewarding our agents for helping us grow the company. So at the end of the day, it's a marketing cost. Uh, I rather pay or transfer that cost and, and dollars to our agents rather than spend them on Google or Facebook. I think it's, it's only fair that those dollars are spent within the company rather than outside of the company. And that's how we look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great point. So you've spoken a lot about technology. I know we're, uh, we don't have that much more time today. So 
tell me about your technology. Like you guys built this based on technology. You say technology is your differentiator that uh, allows you to, to really save costs and, and do the things you do. What, what exactly yeah. is the tech platform that you guys have at Real? So I'll start with a, maybe an unexpected disclaimer. I think that no company, including Real, has really managed to figure out an amazing tech product that attracts agents by itself. So agents do not join a brokerage because they heard about this amazing tool that they cannot live without. And that's a little bit unfortunate because there are so many millions and hundreds of millions of dollars that are put into the industry, but none of us has, has still managed to figure it out. And you know, I, I take the blame for some of it. I think that we're on the right track and, and that'll change. But the way we look at technology is as four main pillars. One is productivity, everything that helps our agents save time and make more money and provides them a better visibility into their business. It includes the CRM and the education module and a powerful dashboard and a 24-7 support and uh, transaction management tools and uh, all of those things that at the end of the day help you run your business as an agent. The second pillar would be marketing. And there's an offline component to it and an online component to it. On, in the offline component as an agent, anything you would need from yard signs, brochures, listing presentations, branded shirts, caps, car magnets, whatever you need, you can find on our app and on our marketing center. And every agent that joins us, we also help them with their online presence with a personally branded website and a personally branded app. The third pillar is community. And this ties back to culture. We do not have offices in all of those markets that we operate in. But at the same time, we want our agents to know each other, to collaborate, to exchange leads, to help and support each other professionally. So we just launched a community, which is kind of a, a Facebook-based product that help our agents just engage with each other. And, and that's probably the glue that you know, connects between all of the agents. The fourth pillar, which might sound a little bit gray, is brokerage operations. And there are not a lot of people who really understand what's going on in the office, office of, of the brokerage, you know, in, in the back room where people are handling paperwork and payments and re reviewing contracts and providing support to the agents. And I think that this is one of our strength, the ability to automate the vast majority of the processes that until today were done manually and by humans. And this is what allows us to support 2,800 agents and a massive amount of transactions with only 45 employees in the company. So that's how we look at technology. Moving forward, I think that there's a tremendous opportunity in the market, whereas right now people are either believing that technology is gonna change the way people buy and sell homes. And obviously we have Opendoor and Zillow and all of those companies that are focusing on technology and at the same time eliminating the agents. And the other group is brokerages that understand the value that agents bring to consumers and believe that agents are here to stay. The way we look at it is we understand that consumers want to enjoy the benefit of a digital experience, you know, transparency and speed and access to information and documents and all of those things that make you really happy when you interact with tech giants. And at the same time, consumers want that human that can explain things and understand exactly what they go through and understand the emotional side of the journey 
Um, yeah. So I think that real will be going towards giving consumers exactly what they want, which is the best of those two worlds. And, and this is where we're starting to divert resources to. Okay, nice. Yeah, you know, as you know, I'm very close to the tech world in real estate since I have a tech company in real estate. I've seen, don't feel like you are the only one that hasn't cracked this. You know, I, I see every real estate company in the world building CRMs and I work with thousands of real estate teams who have clearly stated they don't want that from their brokerage. They want a CRM, you know, they could take anywhere with them, right? So I think you guys are working on a lot of other technologies and especially with some of the stuff that you guys do that's unique to you that, you know, there's a lot of tech there that you have to do just to run your brokerage, right? So that's great. Thank you so much. You know, I guess the one thing I should point out, part of the reason Tamir and I were able to connect today, I actually have known him for a while now, but my wife actually joined your brokerage about four months ago. I think she was actually your 2000th agent. and uh, Agent 2000, exactly. She is loving it there. So it's fun to see her uh, be able to experience first. I get to experience and watch her firsthand, get to see, you know, just all this stuff. And she's been at you know, she had her own brokerage before that. And, you know, she'd been in a few other brokerages and it's fun to see her just kind of light up as she's been able to, to do this. Yeah. I mean, having Spring on our team is, is pretty amazing. We've been talking for uh, quite a few months. And for me, Spring was always a person that I thought belonged with us. And it's just an honor to be able to kind of build something together with uh, with Spring. So really excited about what's coming. And uh, and yes, Agent 2000 is definitely an agent I will always remember. <laughs> so uh, last question for you, Tamir. I know you're short on time. Is there any advice that you would give to the real estate world, the agents, team leaders, things like that? Just anything that stands out for you that you'd want to share with them? Just to, to be ready for the years coming forward. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, that's a that's a big question. Yeah. Um, I think that if if I had to give an advice to one of my kids, for example, I would tell them to not be afraid. You know, people are often afraid about change, about uncertainty, about things that are coming. As entrepreneurs, as agents, sometimes you know we we operate in a huge uncertainty because. Agents live paycheck to paycheck. Sometimes you don't have enough leads. Sometimes you don't know if a certain transaction will close or not. I think you just have to have confidence in yourself and not operate out of fear. Fear is, is the most horrible motivator. And unfortunately, 90% of our decisions are driven by fear. So if we were able to change that and trust ourselves, trust our partners, trust our industry and trust the future, I think all of us will sleep better at night and probably will produce better results. Very well said. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think it's thinking with your heart instead of your head, right? When that exactly. adrenaline comes in, if it goes to your heart, it's fun. If it goes to your head, it's fear. So go, go <laughs> with the heart. Exactly. So anyway, Tamir, great having you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining. Always Thanks. a pleasure and look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. 
If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search Grit, the Real Estate Growth Mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.